0: Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a second to tell you about Factor. Factor Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre prepared, chef crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash stormsound50 and use code stormsound50 to get 50% off your first box and along with two free wellness shots per box while the subscription is active. That's code STORMSOUND50 at factormeals.com slash stormsound50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active.
1: Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year... Thank you.
0: Welcome back to We Move Through Stormy Weather, a Fish podcast where we compare and contrast songs and the evolution of their jamming styles throughout the band's career. My name is Ryan Storm, and today I am joined by Ira Haberman. As the host and executive producer of The Sound podcast, Ira has almost 20 years of experience working in all facets of media and Canada. He has always had a passion for music and saw his first Grateful Dead show on December 28, 1991 in Oakland, California, and his first FISH show uh, on December 12, 1992 in Toronto. When he isn't listening to music or enjoying a live show, you can catch him watching a Toronto Blue Jays, Raptors, or Leafs game. Ira is also the proud father of two teenage girls who are not fans of dad's music. Ira, say hi. Hey. Hey. Thank you so much for coming on today. Very excited to sit down and talk some fish with you.
2: Yeah, I'm excited too. I don't I don't get to talk fish with a lot of people, so
0: this is uh, this is exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm a huge fan of the sound as well. And uh, oh, really thanks, love, man. You know, the awesome. Uh, you know, all the different bands and all the people you get to talk to. It's very very cool to listen to.
2: Yeah, thanks, man. We hope. Uh, well, if people are interested in checking out other bands other than Fish, they should ch- definitely check out. Um, The Sound Podcast with Ira Haberman. So
0: and I'm also really excited to finally have another uh Torontonian on the podcast. All my guests have been American so far. Oh wow. Yeah. So uh well
2: this is uh this has always been a fish hotbed since going back to uh ninety-two. So Mm -hmm. uh there's no reason why Torontonians shouldn't be talking fish. There's a huge, it's a huge fish community in the city, actually. So absolutely ha- happy
0: to represent, happy to represent. Yes. Uh, and why don't you talk a little bit about, uh, you chose Wikipaw Groove uh, for today's episode. Why don't you, what made you choose that song?
2: Uh, it's just a lot of fun and it's a, a lot of energy. And usually, you know, coming off uh, Mike's song and Hydrogen, you know, you go for that real bounce and Wikipog uh, offers that up and also i just find that gordo's playing is so incredible off the top oh, yeah. that uh it's such a great groove that that how can you resist it now it has been played maybe even overplayed um it's something like 25 or 26 percent of the time it's been played uh it shows 26 and a half percent of the time it's been played at a live fish show Mm-hmm. And I bet you didn't know this. It's
0: been played four hundred and ninety-six times. Yeah, it's it's total. one of the most played fish songs, and I have not seen it live. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I have either, but but uh, that's interesting. Maybe I have. How many I, shows I have don't... you seen? I've seen about a dozen, I think. And you haven't uh, seen Week of Pog? I feel like that's I mean, I've seen seven in No Week of Pog. Now
2: but... Now, I'm not one of these people who takes notes right away and, and all of this. And, and sometimes I'm not uh, entirely there for the show, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. So yeah. it's possible that I have seen it and I don't remember. Uh, in fact, it's likely that I've seen oh the concert hall here in Toronto, 94. So maybe there I did go. see it.
0: There you go.
2: <laughs> and I just don't remember. But there you go. Um Oh, and yeah. Niagara Falls Convention Center in '95.
0: So I've seen it a few times. In fact, you were at Niagara Falls '95. Oh, yes, yes, I was. I, I've I've told my dad a whole bunch of times that he should have been at that show. Yeah, why wasn't your dad at that show? I don't know. He 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 saw them the he saw the Spectrum show in '92, and then didn't see them again until '99. Right. I was so. at, that's the Spectrum show was my first show. Yeah. and then uh, that's 90- a that's a common thread among uh, you guys. Toronto. Yeah, Toronto yeah. Uh, fish fans. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about uh, the version that you picked Yeah. Uh, for Week Park. So which one is that? Uh, that is uh, 98, 1127,
2: 98. The infamous wipeout show. It is the wipeout show. So that's another reason why I chose this one, is because. There's all this stuff going on in the show that has nothing to do with WeekApog, although it does show up. So it begins with uh this stellar version of type one jamming uh oh, yeah. and some excellent funk. And then they go into wipeout. Now, wipeout has is you have to understand that wipeout is in and out of the entire show. Yes. They tease it all over the place. Um and then it's wipeout for a buck twenty-nine. And then they go back into WekaPog. And then there's this Week reprise that again starts out as a frenetic type type one yeah, jam. Similar
0: to the uh like the Dayton ninety seven tube, uh, in that regard, you know, the they end the song and then start the jam again. Right.
2: And then it goes into this type two thing, which uh has a lot of heavy effects and spacey jam. But it's actually very minimalistic, in my opinion. It's it's, it's a lot of Trey uh, sounding a lot like Jimi Hendrix, I think, is a, a lot mm. of those effects, like a lot of reverb and stuff, which I really enjoyed. And then into my favorite Fish song, which is Antelope. But um, it's that jamming. It's that frenetic jamming. And and Mike Gordon is just a beast on this song. I think it's, it's one of the few songs there are there are a few others, but early on that really showcased his abilities as a bass player. I mean, it's crazy
0: yeah the the speed at which he slaps is absolutely yeah. inhuman right it's 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 mind blowing to me like uh I mean, obviously, uh, I listened to yours after I listened to my version, so it was significantly faster, and I was <laughs> like, oh my God, yeah. Uh, well- crazy and and Trey goes absolutely shred mode right out of the gate uh on uh on this uh 112798 week fog which is i mean it's a hallmark of 1.0 insane guitar job
2: Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? I mean, that's that's I, I was trained on Trey, for Type One, right? So, yeah. so for me, that's when I fell in love with this guy, just totally destroying everything, everything and everyone in his wake playing guitar, and so he shreds throughout. And and the thing that's also incredible to me and doesn't get enough recognition probably is Fishman, <laughs> like you Absolutely. have. Absolutely. Like you have Gordo and Trey absolutely shredding. And this thing is at a, like a a very fast pace and he's Fishman's there the whole time and doesn't let up at all. Like he's driving the train more than more than Gordo even. Yeah. Um, And he's, he's
0: playing and even through the ambient section towards the end, he's still keeping up that fast groove, which is crazy to me. He basically plays uh, that fast for 20 minutes unrelenting, which is, so insane yeah it's it's unbelievable in fact
2: like i i don't know many drummers that there are very few drummers probably that could keep up that frenetic pace and he's certainly one of them and so it's just a very high energy version of the song and and that's why i always go back to it because well because i get to hear the antelope after but also because <laughs> uh that whole set is so good and yeah. uh and the whole you know wipe out thing is hilarious so that's that's yes. why I chose that one.
0: Yes. Well, yeah. We'll, you know, we'll get back into that in a little bit. We'll talk about my pick, uh, which was twelve thirty eighteen. Uh, MSG. It's actually two consecutive episodes where I pick a jam from this show. Uh, the <laughs> last episode I picked uh, "Split Open and Melt" uh, from this right. show. Um, but this this is my favorite week of POG. I honestly I go back to it all the time because. Uh, especially as a keyboard player, this, uh, the type two section of this jam is very much the Page show. Um, yeah. It's, you know, I, and I also, to me, uh, this jam is so cohesive and all four band members are like, you know, they kind of like Page takes the lead on one part, then he steps back and Trey takes the lead. And there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of searching to me in this jam. It's, it's, you know, it's eight minutes shorter than the, uh, uh, than the wipeout one, but yeah, I, I find that it does so much and it's relatively short 12 minutes and not to mention the segue into cross side after, which is, you know, yeah, crazy. Um,
2: yeah. What, what are your thoughts on this version? Well, it's also interesting that it comes in from tube, right? Like that's,
0: that's a little different too. So I wait, yes. When it gets finished later in the set. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, so uh, my my feeling is it's it it feels like you know a type three, <laughs> a week apart. type above. three. <laughs> uh, it's uh, very very uh, compact in its delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some great grooves, obviously, and 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 page is, is great as well. But it really is for me doesn't have the extended kind of feel and all the gimmicks of of the one I picked eleven twenty seven ninety eight, 98 and I kind of like that so I'm I'm old school in that I like some of the gimmicks I mean this is a straight ahead week pog um and it comes in you know like 12 and a half minutes I guess so yeah. um for me it's straight ahead they get the job done and it's it's there um but it's it's very pl- it's it's plain ish to me you know
0: what I mean like um interesting um Not as I always find it funny because I, I, you know, I feel that way about your version in some aspects. Like to me, it's you know, there's not a lot of uh, unique jamming uh, in in this wipeout weekapog. Like it's crazy, fiery type one, and then very you know classic late '90s funk jam for a couple of minutes, yeah. Wipeout, then more type one weekapog, and then you know the last uh, eight minutes of ambience. To me, there's not a lot going on and it sounds like Trey is just kind of dicking around with his effects and uh, you know, not really doing much <laughs> for a lot of it for sure, which, you know, it, 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 it There's you know, I, I mean, I look at, you know, fish very differently than a lot of people do uh, in the, you know, in the regard that I do prefer the last right. few years and uh, improvisation wise, obviously, you know, you can't touch the late nineties for uh, chops and, speed and whatnot um but i i like the improvisation that this you know this 12 and a half minute version brings it moves through you know there's the type one section that ends at you know five minute 45 and then uh trey hits that you know the minor chord with the delay to signify like all right we're going type two here which you know is a treat in this version because wika does not go type two very much uh these days um and so I, I think, you know, and the band is so energized. This whole show, honestly, um, is yes. absolutely phenomenal, and the band is so energized. But I love um, the way, uh, you know, Trey's able to step back on this one and let Paige lead the jam for a while, which, you know, at, at the beginning of the Type 2 section, Paige is definitely at the forefront on the clav. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that synth part, uh, you know, with the where it almost... Goes into woos, but Paige is like, nah, yeah. sick time. <laughs> that and then trey executes a perfect segue back into week proper which yes the jam probably could have kept going but i right. think the way they did that and the way it went back in it was just so perfect there was no like you know stumbling to catch up to him or the other band members like taking a few seconds to get back in it just worked at the perfect time i don't know how you felt about that but
2: yeah there's no question that the band catches up and it all works out uh and there's no question that it's a great it's a great week of pog uh i like i'm not denying that at all um and i like that whole show actually i usually like anything from msg generally um and and generally new year's run especially um so so i thought it was great too i just you know for me i kind of like the old school thrashiness of, of Trey early on. And, uh, uh, you know, I'll I, be I, like I, much slower. I, I, yeah. Much slower. Like the new stuff is much slower. And the other thing is, is that, um, now it's not slow compared to some other bands who continue to play. But having said that, we won't name them. <laughs> no, we won't do that. Um, having said that the thing I do like about, Later on, fish is just the sonic quality. It's a much crisper sound, right? I mean, yeah, uh, they really have the PA down. They really have the recording down, and and even the live stream. So for me, that's the part that is extremely enjoyable. Is that it sounds a lot better, like sonically overall, the presentation is a lot sharper. Yeah, uh, but if I could see ninety eight with the same sort of sound quality, or listen to it with the same sort of sound quality. I pick 98 every day, every day.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, that's the great thing. I mean, and then, you know, by 98, the, uh, the sound was pretty good versus like, you know, the earlier nineties when you, you know, you couldn't really hear Mike or something like that. But right, one thing that stuck out to me about your version in terms of, you know, listening was, um, later in the jam, um, page was like towards the end of the jam page was playing some fantastic stuff on piano but it was really hard to focus on because Trey was like playing weird screechy guitar over it, yeah, which I didn't really like so much uh, towards the end. And I think, you know, kind of took away from that, but you know, that was that, part that's of in the, the, that's
2: in the ambient section, right? That's towards yeah, yeah. the end.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah that, and to me, that's, that's really a hallmark of like Trey's ego in the late nineties. Like, you know, he was like, you know, this is me. Like I, I'm not, you know, like I'm in charge here versus, uh, you know, my version where he's able to confidently step back and let Page lead for a solid portion of it.
2: Right, right. Well, there's, what, 20 years difference in the growth of the band from from one version to the other. So at a certain point, and certainly after all of, you know, the return, and by 2018, they're well in the groove from the return. Oh, yeah. Certainly by then, he understands that he has to give way to the other players. But – If you close your eyes, and this is an experiment that I do not just with fish, but I I do it with other jam bands as well, specifically Mm -hmm. The Grateful Dead, I guess. If you close your eyes and try to tune Trey out, you're absolutely right. Um, The page parts there are amazing. And so that's, I think, maybe one of the differences between earlier years and later years is that you don't have to tune anybody out. There sort of is this give and take that's a lot more apparent Mm-hmm. Um, in in later versions, and I don't I don't necessarily think it's an ego thing. By the way, I think it's just where the band was and having Trey at the forefront. So I that's a good I'm, point. I'm not convinced it's an ego because because to my recollection, at least Trey is not one of these ego guys. Um, it just thinks that that's where the music was, and and that's kind of where they were taking it. In, um, back in the day, tell me more about why twelve eighteen why those jams and the the segue into
0: cross-eyed talk to me a bit about that segue into cross-eyed well i i mean i i remember so when i was streaming this show uh, i was at an airport in peru um and we were waiting to board a flight uh like we we're taking like a domestic flight back to lima that night and we were sitting in the airport and i we were my dad and i were sharing a pair of headphones listening to the first set um and i i remember like you know, we we're sitting listening. I was like, wow, this week of Pog is amazing. And then Trey earlier in the jam, uh, kind of early in the minor key part, he kind of almost teases cross He almost plays the um, and I remember thinking like, oh, sounded a bit like cross there. And that still sticks out to me every time I listen to it. And then at the end of the jam, you know, when they pull it back into week of Pog, you know, you expect it to wrap up like big finish like, wow, that was great. But then they break into this um staccato Plinko-ish jam. Um and you know that that's the this is the only part where I think they were kind of like, all right, which direction do we go now? You know, they could right. keep jamming, they could finish week of pog or, you know, go off into uh this other jam. And I think Trey just kind of accidentally stumbled upon the cross side melody. Then was like, yeah looks like let's do it and so i i love the roar of the crowd uh when everyone realizes uh that they're going into cross um and then when they kick it off because cross-eyed doesn't show up in the first set uh too often and right. it's just you know fantastic to hear like like oh it's here now very cool and you know and even though you know that doesn't end up being you know a jammed out cross-eyed still really cool placement uh And I just, I I love the segue.
2: But you know what? Now that I think about it, Mike's Weakapog doesn't show up that often in
0: first sets either, does it? Yeah, I I think it's kind of balanced. I think it's more abnormal to see it in the second set nowadays uh, than it used to. In the the 90s, it used to be much more of a jam vehicle because, you know, second jam and Weakapog was going type two almost every outing. Um, But nowadays, you know, it's showing up in the second set is kind of like, all right, like here's a 15 minute segment where we're not going to get much jamming or, you know, we're going to get some nice type one jamming Uh, exceptions, of course, being like, you know, Baker's dozen or um, uh, Nashville 2015 or 2018 when they took them uh, type two. Um, But for the most part, you're getting like a, you know, a seven or eight minute mics followed by a song or two and then a, seven or eight minute week Um And I think in the first set, I mean, this is an especially strong Mike's groove because although the Mike's is type one, it's, you know, longer than normal, got some great interplay pages on the clav for part of it, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of normal. You have the glide two bust out uh, in between them. And then obviously this fantastic type two week which I don't, I think this might've been the first type two week since since uh, Nashville 2015. I could be wrong about that. Um, but I believe it is. So it it's this one sticks out to me more as like, you know, it, it's a treat. The other thing
2: that I didn't mention is that there is a Nellie Kane tease as well in uh in my Week Groove. So mm. if you're if you're down for uh even more old school type thoughts, <laughs> there's that Nellie Kane tease as well. I just wanna, you know what? Now that you mention it, I wanna just see. So the last, the 2018. You're right. It. Sorry, I do this once in a
0: while. Yeah, that's fine.
2: Um, are you looking at the jam chart? I am looking at the jam chart. There are there are some 2015. Oh, well, the rally one.
0: Okay. A lot of these are right, like yeah. So no, so there's one from Walnut Creek, the week after Nashville, where there's. You know it kind of dips into type two briefly um, right but this is it's it's a true um, the type first two. true type two version since then and I mean we had um the one from dicks last year kind of still a, a relatively short version it doesn't go anywhere particularly interesting, but it does go type two and ends unfinished um, and then we had the crazy you know encore uh, version from Mexico. Uh, back in february that yes did go type two because it was kind of a stop in wikipog as part of the you know it was like an extension of the sand jam which was really cool because i discussed this in the last episode i believe uh jammy encores are awesome (laughs) they should happen more
2: yeah well they don't happen because usually traditionally what happens is they have to get the hell out of the whatever room they're in so they don't really have but i guess in the case of mexico they had a chance to to
0: jam a little longer uh, and not have to get out of the room. Right. Yeah. And it's cool hearing like an atypical song, like sand start off an encore. um, Totally. And they kick into that, that, you know, sand is a song that kind of works anywhere in the show. Yes. Um, You know, there's, there's a great group of songs like that. Like, I think honestly, like, you know, a Mike's groove can work in most places in a show. Yep. Um, so it, it it's cool to it's cool to listen to, you know, different song placements like that, definitely. Um yeah, the the um one thing I also wanted to mention um about uh your uh version that you picked is there's mm-hmm. some really nice, very subtle because it was the Rhodes was very quiet in the mix in the 90s, but at around the 14 minute mark, there's some really really like gentle uh Rhodes playing from Paige and that I mean that also happens in my version. It's just yeah. more audible. And I just I absolutely adore the way Paige plays the Rhodes in every situation. I'm a sucker for Rhodes generally. So I probably most people are just...
2: I think I probably picked up on that and that's one of the reasons why I love this version so much. But mm-hmm. yes, he does he does make use of everything. I think there's even just piano section in this Paw groove if i'm not mistaken um which is incredible right i mean these these guys are really in form in 98 just like they're really in form in 2018 and so there's nothing that they can't stretch or do and that's why that eight minute ambient jam at the end comes out because they're just having fun and doing what they do and have the opportunity to really do anything at this point you know and and it was so much energy from the wipeout thing and from everything else that they were doing. I mean, that second set this week, of crazy. and pog and, yeah. and the antelope at the end, but this second set is all on fire. I mean, it is, you know, chalk dust into mirror into chalk dust, dog log, chalk dust. I mean, it's, it's a crazy Speaking set. Dog so, log, they should bust out dog log. There you go. Um, insanity. I mean, it's in Buffalo bill. So, I mean, yeah. if this is very early. Great. Not very early, but, you know, early on fish stuff. And what's great about it is, is that they, they allow themselves the opportunity. They take the opportunity to do mm-hmm. that additional eight minute jam at the end, which I don't
0: think they do a lot anymore with, with this tune. In fact, I'm sure they don't. Um I, I, I mean, that's... have they, have they done that, that reprise jam any other time? This is the first time I heard it with Wika Um, I mean, I know they've done it. They did it with tube a bunch in the late nineties, um, but I I haven't, no, heard of this happening with Week of Pog any other time. I'm gonna again, say again, I could no. be wrong. I'm gonna say um, no, yeah. Th- th- to me, that's a really cool and unique way to do this. Like, uh, I was listening to it earlier and I remember being surprised when they wrapped it up at, uh, you know, at, at the 10 minute mark or so. Um, and I was like, wait, I'm like, I'm halfway through the song, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, and they kicked it off again, and I was like, oh, okay, I, I assumed it was gonna be, um, you know, a situation where they, uh, like start like an ambient jam off the last note of the song, but this was really cool too. And I also really like how quickly the jam, uh, fades into ambience after, uh, you know, the quick reprise jam, like at the 12 minute mark, I think within 10 seconds, it goes from Trey melting faces with a guitar solo to just serene ambience. Yeah. Yeah. And then him fucking around in, in,
2: uh, sorry. Are we allowed to use that language? Yes, here? you're allowed to switch. <laughs> okay. Uh to, to him, uh well, I did anyway. Uh to him um you know with all that distortion and all that stuff that he's doing, it's to me that's really cool stuff and yeah. an ode to Jimi Hendrix in my opinion it sounded very Jimi. Um yeah.
0: well yeah, so you, I, had the, you had the yeah, the heavy use of the wah pedal as well, which I think contributes to that a little bit and uh, the wah coupled with the octave down to, Uh, sound on the whammy uh, sounds great and I he uses that those two effects uh, in conjunction a lot more these days I think recently he started kicking on the octave down every time he uses the wall because it just it adds a little bit more low end a little bit more uh, grit to the sound which I really like
2: well this is where you kind of you know you're better at things because you're a musician and you understand. The, I just hear it and think, yeah, I like, I like that. I don't, right. <laughs> I don't, I don't specifically know uh, what it's called or how it works, but I do know that that's, that's what's taking place, which is, which is fun, right? I mean,
0: it's, it's a d- d- different way to interpret what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there was one point you mentioned earlier about kind of, uh, you know, the 20 year difference between the two versions. Now I want to kind of draw a parallel between 1998 and 2018 um, they were both just coming off of like a huge, uh, achievement the year before. So obviously 97 was the development to the funk and fall 97 happened and 2017 was the Baker's dozen. And I think in both 98 and 2018, they were kind of riding that wave and seeing like, all right, where else can we push this? Uh, cause you see, I mean, 2018 happens to be, uh, my favorite year of fish and fall 2018 happens to be my favorite fish tour um and I, I think there's just such a wide breadth of breadth of improvisation um in that tour and even over the that uh that MSG run that this week of Pog is a part of um you know there's so many different kinds of jams happening you know you have the the absolute bliss of the tweezer from the 29th um then you have the crazy alien space evil split open and melt on the 30th Um, this week of POG, obviously there's just so many different jamming styles coming together and it's kind of a culmination of what they had been working on, you know, the more democratic approach to improvisation that they've really developed since, uh, 2015 or so. Um, and I think, you know, 1998, they started with the funk sound and they really built it into, you know, what would come to fruition in 99 which uh, with the really ambient groove jams Mm -hmm. Uh, but the thing i love about 98 is they keep you know they they keep the groove uh grounded and there's still stuff happening instead of you know kind of going off into space which would happen you know a year later by fall 99 with the sands and stuff yep Uh, but you know what's what's your take on that
2: well, it's interesting because I'm, I'm looking at set lists from around 97 now, even going even a little earlier than that. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting is that it's true. They are picking up steam and they are doing all of these shows. Now, the other thing, too, that's that's interesting for me is, you know, 95, 93 were their really big years. And mm-hmm. if you think about it, they're really getting back to things in 98 when this show happens and and so what I think is happening is it's just a ma- maturation, right, of, of the band. Yeah. And so it happens a couple of times because of well, because of the band's history. And so, you know, there's the break and then there's the comeback uh, in '09, And then it takes about nine years for them to get to where they are with this 2018 stuff. And the same could be said, like, you know, they're sort of sort of rebuilding what they'd been doing for so many years by the time they get to 98, that it allows for these jams to take place. And it's a good point. The 97 funk is, is an important kind of milestone too, to all of this.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, I love 94, 95 and all, but I'm, I'm not, I'm much more into uh, the grooves of the late nineties than I am the kind of noise tension jams of, uh, you know, those couple of years. And I, I think, you know, that 98 is kind of the perfect balance between the straight funk of 97 and right. the ambientness of 99. Um, It's funny that you mentioned the funk funkiness because even
2: they opened this show with Funky Bitch, uh, the mm-hmm. 11, 11, no, that's not true.
3: Yeah, that is true.
2: Yeah, they do open it with Funky Bitch. So there is a lot of that going on, right? I mean, throughout, and, and Birds of a Feather. And so all of those things that you'd think of uh, in the f- quote-unquote funk era are
0: kind of happening here, um, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I do want to – What one thing, obviously, also that uh, is very different about uh, my pick is the – number of effects and instruments that they have at their disposal. So right. I think with the, with the exception of Fishman, uh, they all have very different. I mean, Fishman probably has a very different drum kit than he did in the nineties, but at the root it's, you know, I think a lot of the core pieces are the same, yes. uh, but Trey has a completely different guitar rake. You know, page has the synths at his disposal now and the Wurlitzer that he didn't uh, back in 98. And Mike has all these different effects. And I think, it's really cool to listen to how they use them differently because obviously there are some jams in the last few years where sure they might have an over reliance on, like, you know, Trey's guitar effects, uh, to give an example. But one thing I really like here is Trey's use of the Leslie, which I think, you know, he used it in a pretty much every jam over summer 2018. Uh, but then by the fall and by this point, certainly he had uh, taken to using it in a much better way, um, you know, not as often, but he uses it as a way to, you know, make it easier for one of the, for, you know, Fish, Mike, or Paige to take control of the jam because it kind of gives his guitar a more background quality to it. And I, I mean, I absolutely yeah. adore the Leslie speaker sound uh, with the guitar. Um, and Mike has this synth bass effect as well that he used a lot uh, in 2018, that's yeah. very present in this ba- uh, uh, in this jam. Um, and I just, it, it's cool to listen to uh, the parallels because, you know, Paige in the 98 version is on piano or clav for most of the jam, where in my version, he's constantly hopping from piano to clav to whirly to synth to Rhodes. And it's it's really cool to listen to. Yeah, I think
2: it's a good point. And I think, you know, Paige does do a lot more i think in 2018 than he had been doing earlier on not not just in terms of the number of instruments or the number of keyboards that he plays but in terms of filling in gaps and and just doing more Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: again i think that speaks to the the democratization of the jam sort of Mm -hmm. uh and letting everybody in more than had happened earlier on
0: yeah Definitely, definitely. And Page, I, I mean, Page has really stepped up. I, I think it was the addition of the uh, the, the Moog Voyager synth uh, at the beginning of 2017 that really kind of inspired him to start really taking control of some jams, taking the lead on a lot of stuff, which has been, especially as a keyboard player for me, I have loved, loved uh, listening to that happen. And, and I mean, some of my notes for this, uh, for my week of Pog, include... Page is slaying the clav, and then my next note was just arrows pointing to that. Um, <laughs> Whirly God is in the building. Synth yes. Lord, Synth Lord, Synth Lord in all yes. caps. Page is destroying everything in his pass in his path on the synth. And then Page goes back to destroying the Whirly <laughs> as Trey begins to solo. So I mean, you can tell that, I, that I you really play like. keyboards. Page is playing. Yes, and then I'm a keyboard player. <laughs> um, <laughs> I making notes is fun because you know sometimes I take them seriously and sometimes I write nonsense like that. Um, no, no, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really have any true uh, moments like that uh, in your version because I I think there's a lot more unique ground broken in mine. If that makes any sense, you know, like as as amazing as the shredding and the funk is, and that you know ambient section, there. Are a ton of other jams that I can go to in 97, 98, 99 that will get me, you know, a very similar, similar uh, jam. But this one, to me at least, seems really unique. And I think that's something they've been good at the past few years. Yes, they do lean on a Bliss jam a lot. Uh, but something like this where, you know, they don't go Bliss jam, uh, and they go to this, like, relatively fast. <laughs> uh, and, like hard charging groove. Um right. You know, with the with the with the crazy synths and stuff. And, you know, I think uh people will look at this one more favorably uh, because page saved everyone from the woos that he was trying <laughs> to start. Well the the other thing too is that they didn't have
2: as much time, right? So well they could have, I suppose, but yes. it's it's a lot tighter, right? It's 12 minutes as opposed to the 20 and a half or whatever the hell this one is. It just seems to go on because of the reprise because the eight of the wipeout Ambient section. Yeah. And the eight minute ambient section. So, I mean, it's that ambient section that really makes it probably it's nine. According to jam charts, the ambient section is about nine minutes. So like including the reprise. So,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, if you take that out of it and you put them up against each other, I guess, They're about the same. Mine's a little shorter. Um,
0: But yours
2: has more depth to it probably than mine.
0: Yeah, and I think that's it speaks to, you know, how good they've gotten at improvisation the past few years because they're reaching uh, spaces in 10 minutes that it used to take them 25 minutes to get to. Right. And that's something that I think, I think Paige said that in the It documentary where he was like, you know, sometimes it'll take them 20, 25 minutes to get to this really amazing jam, but then they'll get to it. And so that those 20 to 25 minutes are more important. And now it takes them significantly less time uh, to get to that point. So if you look at a tour like fall 2019, you know where there are no jams above 20 minutes, there's still so much improvisation packed into those eight shows. Um, while nothing is super long, you know you you have a 10 minute version of a song that has you know a 5 minutes of really solid type 2 and that type 2 isn't just you know a funk groove for 5 minutes right there's you know, nothing wasted got, yeah. yeah there's not i mean they might still meander a little bit but they're constantly looking for the next idea you know they're they're not content to sit on a groove for 15 minutes anymore which i i really like um you know and as, as much as i enjoy late 90s funk jams i am a huge <laughs> fan of you know finding this idea exploring it for a couple of minutes and then moving on to the next one
2: right well you know over time and we do mention the 20 years and and i don't mean to belabor it but that's 20 years of learning each other and that's 20 years of learning the song and playing the song i mean if they've played it if they played it 26% of the time over those 20 years I mean that's playing this tune quite a lot and so they have a chance to to get it a lot tighter and because they're playing they're not playing um, they're playing longer sets in terms of how many songs they play in a set these days
0: and in terms of time you know a lot of I mean not a blanket statement but a lot of you know, the really iconic four or five song second sets were like, you know, 58 minutes or just over an hour. And now they're playing like, you know, people will complain like, oh, like that set could have been four songs, but they had to add this character zero on the end. They had to add this cavern. I'm of the belief that I would much rather get, you know, five or seven more minutes more of fish on this show. I I don't care about you know how many songs they play, but if they want to play for an hour and twenty minutes and make it eight songs, go for it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the other big difference, right? Is that they were
2: playing, uh, well, just the speed of the song too. I mean, just the speed of my of my week, especially off the top, right? Uh, for longer, or, or for for yeah, for longer. Means that they have they have shorter sets in terms of what they can fit in, and and sometimes you know some of those sets are segue into segue into segue into segue. Yeah. Whereas now they have an opportunity to play songs to their completion, and that you know sort of started around this this twenty eighteen era probably.
0: Well, yeah, I, I mean I definitely think it's gone up and down because twenty eighteen they were playing with a certain confidence, uh, at least improvisationally, where you know Trey sure he not the most polished and he was screwing up a decent amount but he'd you know he would like laugh off the flubs and keep going and you know just get to this amazing improvisational space um but obviously it kind of uh regressed a little bit uh in 2019 and we saw like kind of a return of like the set list uh or like the the weird set list choices of um You know, early 3.0 or a year like 2016 where a lot of that was happening. And I think, uh, you know, towards the end of the year, like I think the MSG run and uh, the Mexico run uh, from the beginning of this year really showed us the band was, you know, they kind of used 2019 as a kind of a transition year because they were also integrating two full albums of material into uh, the set list, which you know, isn't easy to do. You have to find where each thing works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the Cast songs, all the Ghosts of the Forest songs that they were playing. And I think twenty twenty was poised to be, you know, another highlight year, which unfortunate. Um well,
2: it still was a highlight year. It just wasn't a highlight year in a live setting, but in right. terms of releasing material and Trey especially releasing material uh, it's still a pretty big year for for the community in terms of the amount of music that has come out this year.
0: True enough. Uh, yeah, and I mean, we've definitely been getting more archival releases than normal, which has been nice. Uh, you know, the recent, uh, we had that Fall 99 show like a month ago, the Bozeman Tweezer uh, show recently, which is, you know, it's been awesome. And I mean, I'm still holding out hope that somehow for New Year's next week, <laughs> I think I think, a you know, show. they're pretty
2: good at keeping secrets, but I think at this point with two weeks to go, I would be my
0: mind would be absolutely blown
2: if they just show up and play somewhere.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I think also because of the way that, you know, uh, COVID is rampaging everywhere right now, it seems less likely. Um, and I think, you know, uh, Paige's unwillingness to. Uh, come to the Beacon Jams uh, will also kind of carry
2: over into this. Totally. Uh, I mean, if there was any opportunity for them to have done it, it would
0: have been the Beacon Jams, right? I mean, John was there, so to get two more guys... I kind of... I I was of that opinion for a while, but I've kind of thought about it recently, and that was was Trey's. Like, it was Trey Anastasio, the Beacon Jams, and I think Fish (laughs) being there wouldn't have fit with the Trey-centric theme of it. Oh, I agree.
2: Um, I'm just talking I'm 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 making mention of, you know, all the rumors that one of the nights right. is definitely gonna be the four of them. And and so if it was gonna happen, I think it would have happened then as opposed to New Year's. But
0: Yeah. And I, I mean I think there, there's still a chance because I think you know, <laughs> Fish as an organization knows that the vast majority of us, if they announced it at five PM on the thirty first, everyone yeah. would watch. <laughs> right like and and yeah. nobody nobody really has like crazy plans this year like you know what are you going to do watch someone else's webcast right um, and i mean i i pick fish over everything so <laughs> um but yeah i am i mean i'm holding out hope that we get that but i think the more likely scenario is a run of dinner and a movies for uh the 28th to the 31st uh with probably new year's 95 on the 31st oh, that would be for the 25th anniversary but obviously the ideal situation would be big Cypress. Right. Which doesn't seem terribly likely, but I can dream. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Well, hopefully they'll play Wakebog Groove if they, they they do play. Yes. Uh, at at any rate, right? Now that we've talked the now that we've talked about it
0: for so long, uh, hopefully they'll play it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see them, you know. I I think it's it's a four night run, uh. So I I can't see them playing a four night run without playing a Mike's groove. Right. Um, if this four night run happens, yes, it, a, a hypothetical four night run. <laughs> um, and I mean, honestly, with the it, it's funny because with the sheer number of dinner and the movies we got, I think there were only a couple of Mike's grooves across all twenty something episodes of it. So. You know, as, just as has common to be, of a as common just has of to be a five of them. Yeah, and I I don't know if there were, um, if you know, in twenty seven maybe or twenty two, I don't know. Um, <laughs> twenty eight. There were twenty eight dinner and a movies, and um, yeah. I don't know. I don't think there were too many Mike's groups, but anyway, this uh, we uh discussion is great one thing i do also want to note uh with i mean trey's tonal difference we talked about the uh equipment but yeah you know there's a very very big difference in trey's tone between these two shows you know 98 you have his the classic two tube screamer ross compressor and then the fender amp uh tone which i absolutely love and then his late 2018 tone which is the those comet amps which much uh much dirtier, um, higher gain, um, and I, I think definitely changes the vibe a little bit because you know it's it's you know his tone isn't as clean as it used to be, um, and he also has um, this like reverb and delay effects loops built into his amps now. Uh, so if you listen, especially early on in his Type One Weepog solo of my pick, uh, you can hear the little like his like the echo of his notes so he has like it's set to i think every note just kind of echoes quietly after he plays it and i i like uh listening to that you know when he's soloing when he'll like take a rest in in his solo uh so he'll play like a run of notes and then pause for a second and the last one will you know echo again I, i really like the sound of that what do you think
2: well, yeah, I, I do like the sound of that and that's why I love the ambient jam. So imagine that ambient jam with the newer gear and the newer setup Right, would have been uh, mind-blowing. Um, but it's true, the tone has changed a lot over the years and the amount of uh, effects and pedals and just his whole rig has changed so much that, and we've mentioned it too about Paige and, and Mike, is that everybody's... It, it it's it's impossible for it not to sound different just because of the the instruments at their disposal, yeah. the equipment at their disposal, right? So there's the pace, that's one thing. There's the the sonic kind of instrumentation, that's another thing. There's the pace of it. Oh, we mentioned the pace, but there's the the idea of getting to a jam or extending a jam which doesn't happen as long uh, for as long as it did back in type one days. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, there's lots of differences. And, and I think most of the difference is just time. I mean, it's, it comes down to there being so much time between the two.
0: Yeah. And oh, you, you did mention, uh, you know, how the song, you know, it's more of a treat when it gets jammed out now. And I kind of like that kind of mystique around some songs, like, you know, uh, stuff like week a pog or, uh, Halleys or something like that, songs that used to get jammed out all the time that don't yes. really now. And it's such a treat, uh, when you get, you know, a type two week of Pog or, uh, how they jammed out, uh, the last, I think, two versions of Halleys they played last year, uh, which is very exciting because for the bulk of 3.0, you know, they weren't jamming out things like that. They just recently, you know, Jin has had a huge comeback the last couple of years. Um, you know, after not, you know, not really being much of a jam vehicle with the exception of like Magnaball and a couple other versions. But, uh, in, you know, 2019 really, really came back as kind of a leading jam vehicle. The last few versions of it have been absolutely phenomenal. Hood has come back in a big way the last few years. Yes. Um, trying to think of what else. Um, but also. going melt also, as we talked about in the last episode. Also, such a great renaissance, uh, I think. Um, also, they're playing, you know, the
2: ghost stuff. And so there's so much more ways to get in and out of jams now, I find. And there's mm. there's a lot more like that ghost stuff can be very ambient and therefore extend into other things in a more successful way, probably. Yeah. A- and the Caswell Vac stuff, while incredible and while extremely accessible and while the only stuff that my kids will listen to from Fish. <laughs> um be- because it's fun um there there isn't a lot of,
0: of there aren't enough vehicles in that material for jamming right so i mean there are plenty of vehicles they just are refusing to jam them like whack tube is such a jam vehicle but they don't jam it and uh cool amber and mercury also yes. fantastic final hurrah like these songs are they're being utilized as like first set you know high energy songs which is great but I do want to see a 20 minute Casva song. <laughs> I don't,
2: yeah, I, I agree, but I just don't, I don't see, I don't see it happening because there are, like you said, there are renaissance of older songs and there's the ghosts of the forest songs and there's just lo- a lot more jammier, jammier material probably, if I could put Listen, it that way.
0: Anything can happen. You know, just I agree. Over two years ago, people would have laughed in your face if you said they were going to start. Jamming out Hallie's again, and you know, they start. Oh, jamming it out again. Uh, same, you know. And you know, you talk to someone in 2012, and you say like, you know, they're going to be playing 20 minute jams in the first set again, and they'll be like, what? You know, right. like. Um, and I, I like the way that's happened too, because it, it didn't really happen until, I mean, the late 90s, but there were, there were only really a few years where the line between the first and second set were kind of blurred you know because in 95 and 96 trey was still uh writing set lists for the most part uh so he was putting the jammy songs in the second set and so it wasn't really until again i think uh 2017 the bakers doesn't really help that i think where they started you know getting type two in the first set again which has been such a treat because you know it used to be like in you you go back to like 2013 2014 you hear like a um, like a ghost in the first set, it's like, okay, it's going to be 10 minute ghost. Great. Now you're still most likely to get a 10 minute ghost, but then you could get something like Alpharetta 2018, which third song of the show ghost 22 minutes. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, like, I like that they've, you know, gotten back to that space uh, in the last <laughs> couple of years where anything can happen.
2: Well, we'll, uh, We'll see. Right. Maybe I I just got to see them live again. I think that's that's the biggest (laughs) thing. Right. Right. Jonesing to see as good as and they were amazing. The the Trey shows were. I mean, they were incredible. Seeing the band
0: together would just be dope as hell. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, even even from the couch, uh, there's a very big difference between. Uh, you know, watching an older live stream and watching a live stream that's happening right this second, even if it's a show where I purposely didn't look at the set list before. So I don't know every song and when it's going to happen. There's something about, you know, knowing that, you know, this jam already happened. So it's, it's, you know, it's not happening right the second versus watching them, you know, watching it unfold in front of you. Like last year, uh, when I, you know, live streamed the New Year's run, and I was, like screaming at the television during the MSG tweezer.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: As was happening. But yeah, I think uh, that's a great place to wrap up. Uh, I want to say cool. thank you so much for coming on today. Ira. Pleasure. It was great uh, talking Week Pog and all those other. Good luck with this with podcast.
2: You. I really enjoy listening to it. I'm, thank you so I mean, much. other episodes, not specifically this episode. I mean,. <laughs> uh, uh, this was fun, too, but uh, I enjoy listening to uh, all of your guests, and, and certainly some of them are friends as well. Greg and Joel and, and some of your other
0: guests that you've had on. It's, it's all great stuff and continued success, all right? Yeah, thank you. And don't forget, go check out Ira's podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, it's called The Sound. It's awesome. Uh, not only does he talk to uh, big name jam bands, but you've got—I uh, know—you interviewed uh, uh, Joe from Pluto Gang uh, a couple of weeks ago, who uh, I interact with frequently on. lunch uh, out for Pluto on Gang. social media. Pluto Gang is coming; they are fantastic. Fire. If you don't know Pluto Gang, you should check out Pluto Gang. Um, but anyway, anyway, hope you all Thanks, enjoyed dude. this episode. I'll See you next time, and have a fantastic day.
3: Hi, I'm Dave Gebro. I threw my career as a licensed hearing instrument specialist in the trash, sold my house, and created the ultimate music obsessives podcast, Discog Graffiti. Each episode of Discography features an eclectic and wide-ranging slew of cool musicians doing long-form deep-dive interviews in which we rate either their favorite band's output or their own from zero to five stars. From Mike Watt rating the Minutemen to Terry Kirkman from the Association, Bob Nastanovich on Pavement, Bob Forrest on the band, Bob Mayer on the Replacements, and Lou Barlow on the Zombies, each new guest swings a hard left into an area you either had no idea you needed to know about or know all about and can't believe you're not alone out there. Coming up, here's who we've got on the program. The Lemon Twigs, Robert Schneider from the Apples and Stereo, the Dedrick Siblings from the Free Design, Joel Sel on mother murdering superstar drummer jim gordon and a record breaking 20 hour interview with the great michelle phillips about the mamas and the papas you're not going to want to miss it because there's nothing quite like it don't let your youth go to waste lads and ladies discography graffiti subscribe
1: hey everyone it's cam hurt host of the best show ever podcast and we have got a second season coming out very soon that i am very excited about